Welcome and thank you for tuning in to Modern Aged Middle Life, a podcast brought to you by Emily Baum and Graham Jarvis, comedy writers addressing modern day confusions for the middle aged. What have you been up to this week, Graham? Oh, well, it's been a busy week with lockdown two upon us. We all get really busy in our homes. It's nail-bitingly exciting. Lockdown two, coming to a cinema near you. <laughs> See, again, I sound like a pirate. <laughs> so what have you been doing? What Zoom excitement? See, this is the thing. Everything's being done by FaceTime and Zoom. So you don't have a free-flowing conversation. You see half a face. This week, I had to help someone out with her iPad. I said, look, I'm phoning you on FaceTime so I can see your iPad. And it turned out she wasn't logged in. But after half an hour of helping, she said something like, I've got to go and walk the dog now, bye. And that was it. Gratitude. Two questions. How long have you been working as technical support for curries? <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, were you talking to an old person by any chance? The person was older. I don't want to be ageist because some old people are really technical. Really? But gratitude... Sometimes people seem to think everything's like, oh, well, you should do it because I'm old. Yeah, it's a God-given right. I mean, we're all going to get old. Yeah. And I'm not worried about getting old because I think if you manage to get old, it shows that you've had a good life. And actually, I think old age is a luxury because otherwise you would be dead. <laughs> but I struggle with the older generation in my family and technology because they are all absolute troglodytes. When you try to help them, they never thank you. Example, talking to my mother-in-law, she was struggling with her brand new Kindle and as soon as my father-in-law said I've bought her a Kindle for Christmas we knew that it was going to be one of the most painful experiences of our lives. <laughs> Three months later after we set up the Kindle phone call yeah that Kindle's full so I've bought another one I'm sorry <laughs> oh, <no>. it's full <laughs> what do you mean it's full it's full of books and full of emails I've got like 7,000 emails on it. I can't get any more emails on it and it's full of books so why don't you remove some of the old books off it and delete some of the emails? Well, that doesn't matter now because I've bought a new one. Uh, well, <laughs> so I couldn't even continue the conversation because now, years down the line, I just imagine their house is littered with Kindles. <laughs> yes. How frustrating. <laughs> That is the problem, isn't it? When you're trying to be helpful, but the other person just throws your help away. Another classic example, they bought a brand new laptop. We spent hours of my life getting them set up with said laptop. And then when we spoke to them, only a few months later, how are you getting on with the laptop? Because you're keeping your fingers crossed, but you're happy to help them with a few little inquiries. Phone call back. Yeah, the laptop's broken. <laughs> okay, what happened to the laptop? The bulb in the screen's gone. <laughs> oh, okay. That was a bit of a mystery because for those of you not technically savvy, there's not a bulb in the screen of a laptop. <laughs> then I questioned further. I said, how did the bulb go? She said, I think it's from where the cat sleeps on the screen. <laughs> I just couldn't ask any more questions. It was like hitting my head against a brick wall. If you get a good tradesman in, and I know you don't like the word tradesman because you think it relates to the 1900s. It's only because you've got the upstairs, downstairs approach to tradesmen. <laughs> <laughs> if you get somebody in to do a job and they're really good, you think, oh, perhaps I should give you a tip on top because you are so good. Mm. But sometimes when they're really bad, do you think the opposite is you find out where they live and throw a brick through their window? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> 
<laughs> that uh, might be a bit extreme. A bit extreme. <laughs> what's the opposite of gratitude? Moaning and trashing them on Google. That's what people do now. Yeah. So Google revenge. Yes, it is Google revenge. But we're really, really good at moaning, <laughs> right? We're really good at finding fault and pointing out when something is bad. Yeah. But I do find people are really poor at saying thank you. Yeah. That's partly because you don't know what level of thank you to go to, do you? I mean, say you've got a man who did some plumbing and he did a really good job. If you then gave him a 25 quid bouquet, he would be really embarrassed. He'd assume in this world, oh, that's for my wife, but she didn't do the plumbing, he would think. Because we still live in a world where you don't give flowers to a man who's done plumbing. Is that right? You could hug him and then get a sexual harassment suit. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you don't hug men, do you? Or men don't hug men. They're not allowed to. Women can hug women. Women can hug men. You don't hug tradespeople. You, you don't hug tradespeople. You don't hug tradespeople. I just think it's just there's mastic on them. They're a bit whiffy. Mastic. They've been doing something very physical. There's all sorts of reasons why I wouldn't rush to hug a tradesperson. Yeah, whiffy and masticky. Yeah, that's not good, is it? <laughs> Although I've never found a tradesperson with a draft. <laughs> They're fully masticked all over. So there's loads of layers of gratitude. How do you know which level of gratitude to go? The person that said to me, oh, I'm going to walk the dog now, showed no gratitude at all. So what's the other end of the scale? Is that when you're stalking somebody and they're saying, like, you've said thank you, that's enough thank you, I don't want any more from you, please leave my life. Where does gratitude stop? Do you keep writing thank you letters? This is something that does come up with the thank you letters. So I have got into this spiral with some people where I've written to say thank you for something and then they've written to say thank you for the thank you that I've sent them. Well, if this continues, I could spend my entire life writing thank you notes to people to thank them for their thank you notes. Yes, but then I yes. know a lot of people that don't do thank you notes at all. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a prolific thank you noter. I don't write people thank you notes for no reason, but I do send people thank you notes when they've bought you gifts or if they've invited you to something and it's been wonderful. Yeah. And if it's been terrible, I don't bother writing thanks them and then I hope they never invite me again. For our <laughs> listeners, I can confirm this, that I've never received a thank you note from you. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, yeah. In fact, I'm astonished. I didn't know you wrote. <laughs> when did disability come into your life? I've had time to practice during lockdown. Yeah, more likely you dictate into Siri or something. <laughs> yeah. Siri, write Graham a thank you note. I'm sorry, I don't <laughs> understand that, Emily. <laughs> yes. I'm not writing Graham a thank you note. Who is Graham? Yeah, you know you're not grateful when your AI assistants refuse to comply with your demand. <laughs> Like, for example, if someone buys you a nice gift, do you send them a thank you note? Yes, of course you do. And if someone does something nice for you and they go out of their way, you would say thank you, wouldn't you? You wouldn't expect it. Well, there's a problem there. Let's say oh, that we are. a friend of yours says, <laughs> oh, I'm having problems with the car. The brake light keeps going on and off. It keeps failing. And you say, no problem. It's just a new bulb you need. So you pop round there, you take the old bulb out, see it's cleaned up, see it's still a good bulb, and you pop it back in, and it seems to be working. And a week later, after they've really said, oh, thank you so much, that saved me a lot of bother, they phone up and say, oh, the bulb's gone to blink again. And you think, oh, no, <laughs> it's clearly turning into a bigger job. But they've thanked you, so now you're on the hook. So you go around again, 
and the bulb's still working and it's still fine, you wiggle it about and you find it's part of the wiring loom of the car and you look it up on Google and it says something like, remove the interior panels. You know, you're like, oh no, now, <laughs> at what point can you stop? Because they've shown gratitude. That gratitude has sort of almost put you onto a contract. You feel you must help them out. These thank yous can be terrible. And that's a valid, that's a really valid point because if you help somebody once, then you start a pattern. Yeah. So the first time they thank you, the second time you're happy to do it because you had a thank you the first time. And maybe there's less of a thank you the second time. Then there's a third, a fourth and a fifth, by which time you're like that, oh, for God's sake, you're just taking the mick now, bog off. After the fifth time, they're about to say thank you and you say, don't you say thank you. You're thinking, I'm getting out of this contract. <laughs> I've got to do get out of this. not say thank you. I can't keep doing this. I'm practically a registered <laughs> carer for you now. Can you not manage anything yeah. on your own? <laughs> then you have to start ghosting them on your phone. You have to start ignoring them on Facebook, because there are people that do take, take, take. And they might have shown a little bit of gratitude to start with. And then it's like you've got to stop that cycle because otherwise you could just spend your entire life and you then end up resenting them. Well, I don't think you have to end up resenting them. You just move. <laughs> <laughs> the person who said to me, oh, there's a squeak. Could you bring your tools over? Because there's a squeak on the back gate. So you say, well, it doesn't need tools. It probably just needs a drop of oil. So you go around there with your toolkit and a drop of oil. And they say, oh, you've got your toolkit. Could you put a new roof on the shed? And you're like, uh, <laughs> they've tricked you into bringing your tools around on the basis of the squeak. Now there, that is definitely manipulating your kindness. Yes, and I don't like that. Even if they say thank you. No, and that's the case, that people that do that to you as well, they just say thank you verbally. Whereas there are other situations where you'll do something that you think is just very, very natural. Like, so for example, there is a, a couple of friends of mine, they are older, and when we were having a conversation over dinner once, it came out that the husband never had a teddy bear. Oh. And I was like, what do you mean you never had a teddy bear? He said, I never had a teddy bear. My parents never bought me one. And I just thought that was awful. Yeah. You know, you should never go through life without a teddy bear. So I went out and I got him a Paddington bear and I sent it to him. And he was totally flabbergasted and actually quite moved. And he said, I couldn't believe it when I opened it that someone would have thought to have gotten me a teddy bear. Oh. I got at least three meals out of that teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> What about gratitude to people you can't possibly express? Let's say a doctor has just done something for your son and he's cured it and everything's fine. Rooty toot. I mean... Rooty toot? Rooty toot? Yeah. I'm sorry. Rooty toot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really want to find a situation where that phrase can be used reasonably without people mocking you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the doctor's done an excellent job. What do you say? Do you look him in the eyes, hoping that your eyes are saying how good you feel and shake his hand and say, this is fantastic? Well, it depends. If he's a doctor that specialises in venereal diseases or highly contagious diseases, I wouldn't shake his hand personally. <laughs> <laughs> but that's up to you. I mean, you've got to read the situation. Why have you been to see such a person? That's my I'm question. I'm not here to judge, Graham Rooty Toot. <laughs> I'm not here to judge. And what about if you're a criminal? You've been a bit of a burglar. You've been round somebody's house. They discovered you. Bit of a burglar. A bit of a burglar, and you leg it. Little do you know, there's CCTV. The police look at it and say, oh, yeah, that's Ted. He lives down the road. We'll get him in. He goes in front of the magistrate. The magistrate says, 
well, I don't find sufficient evidence, so you're acquitted, not guilty. Now, how do you show gratitude? Do you send the magistrate the proverbial bunch of flowers? I think you run <laughs> in that situation. You run in case anyone changes their mind. You can be heard, or you can hear his footsteps exiting the court and a little voice that says, Rooty-toot! They're leaving. <laughs> Rooty-toot. Do you think creatures of nature feel gratitude? Because, you know, there are loads of videos on Facebook of animals that have been trapped and some man wades up to his waist in a swamp, risking alligator attacks to rescue this poor little dog or something. And the animals clearly don't look terrified, don't struggle, they let the person rescue them. Mm. But how does a dog show gratitude? Well, this is a good question. So I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I was involved in the Boscastle floods many moons ago and my two little dogs were trapped in a house in the harbour in seven foot of water and they managed to get up onto a microwave that was nailed to a wall. So they had a perch, but they had to be rescued by fire rescue. So a helicopter came in, a guy broke into the back kitchen door and he got the two dogs. Now, they were spaniels, so they were quite amenable. He grabbed the big one and the big one gave him a hug. And the guy said he just was amazing. You could tell the dog felt it was being rescued. They put the dog in a bag. The dog went up into the helicopter. He grabbed the little one. She tried to rip his face off. (laughs) 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 So they had to ram her in a bag quite quickly jump her up the helicopter. So I think it's a mixture there. They were grateful, but they weren't. She thought she was going to be stolen. The other one was a little bit more practical. I think animals react in different ways, but both were grateful in the end, I'm sure, but very much living in the moment. And it's your understanding of the situation. But I did send the entire fire rescue team an entire van full of alcohol to say thank you. Oh, I thought you were going to say you sent them the little dog. (laughs) Yeah, I did. And I locked them in the fire rescue centre with her. (laughs) So I sent them a van full of booze. What do you do then if they did go in there and they failed the rescue? Are you still grateful? Or do you just say waste of time? You certainly wouldn't send them a load of booze. No, I wouldn't. We did a fundraiser to help rebuild Boscastle Harbour. And I sent money down to the Harbour Fund and they never said thank you. Oh, that's terrible, isn't it? Yes, just writing a note to say thank you goes an awful long way. They probably think, well, you've done it once, you're not going to do it again, so why bother? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think some people are more grateful than others? Do you think some people are so, I can't bear seeing that person... They're so grateful. You just knock on the door. Oh, I'm so glad you've come. Thank you for visiting. And you're like, oh, God, I haven't even got in the door yet. And she's saying thank you. Do you think you could be too grateful? Is there a balance? I think it comes across as needy yeah. and nobody wants that either. No. And also there's a certain element of insincerity there as well. Do you not think that's part of the manipulation? Yeah, yeah. You can't say thank you just for as somebody arrives. I mean, give them a chance to do something that you're going to be grateful for. It's nice to say it's nice to see you or thanks for coming. But I usually say thanks for coming when I'm trying to kick them out the door. <laughs> what about if you go around somebody's house and you say, I can help you clean, and you do the floors and polish things up, and they say, oh, I wanted to do that. Like, you've stopped (laughs) me the pleasure of cleaning up. I mean, what what happens there? Should they be grateful? It's when when they go, I was going to do that. And you're like, but you didn't, so I did it. 
because it was annoying and you should have done it, but you didn't. So there you are. So I've done it now. So now you need to say thank you so that I feel like a superhero saviour and you feel like poo. <laughs> and especially if while you've been polishing their floors and everything, they've been sat on their sofa eating an ice cream, occasionally going, oh, you've missed a bit there. <laughs> No, at, that point, at that point, they're at risk of being smothered in the night. <laughs> <laughs> if you went round to somebody's house and say the carpet was dirty and he said, oh, I've just had the same problem at my house, and you pop round to their local shop, bought some carpet cleaner and showed them how to do it, good as new, they'd be really grateful. But if you went into somebody's house and you'd got, I don't know, dog poo on your shoe or something and muckied their carpet <laughs> and then went round and cleaned it, they wouldn't be so grateful, would they? They're probably a bit like, not only have you mucked up my carpet with your dog poo shoes, but now I'm having to move my life around to accommodate you to clean up a dog poo carpet. In my experience, if just after the dog poo bit, you say to them, you haven't got any biscuits, have you? <laughs> <laughs> or alternatively, you just blag it and go, I don't know if you've noticed, but someone seems to have wiped dog poo on your carpet. <laughs> Do you think generally you're somebody who shows gratitude? I try, I definitely try to, because I think if you walk through life and you are not grateful, especially at the moment, I mean, COVID, you know, people are dying. We should still be grateful for having another day on the earth. The trees are changing, it's autumnal, we've got beautiful weather, we're alive, we've got food, we've got toilet roll again. All is right with the world, <laughs> you know? So you're grateful to whom for that? Are you religious? Because that's where a lot of people go. What you've just said, I thought you were going to say, so let's say thank you to God. Who are you grateful to for all of that? I think you can be grateful to, to nature, to the universe, to Buddha, to God, to Jesus, to whomever you follow. Whatever your religious stance is, I think as long as you show gratitude, let's put this into perspective. You have like a one in several million chance of being born in the first place, right? because there are millions of little sperm that go to fertilise an egg. You are a miracle in your own right when you turn up on the earth. Because okay. there was competition there. It might not have been you. Obviously, in your case, Graham, your dad might have had slightly slim swimmers. But, you know, you, you, you work with what you've got. <laughs> my mother said it was an immaculate... Con you know, she said that my dad wasn't involved at all. So how slim do you want it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got that first miracle in the first place. And then... When we get to become teenagers, we become so ungrateful and think we're invincible and the world owes us. We all do that. And then as you get a bit older and a bit wiser and you hit 30, you suddenly go, actually, I should really pay attention a bit more and enjoy what's going on around me a bit more. And I think in your 40s, well, for me anyway, and especially with pandemics looming, I'm appreciating everything an awful lot more from being able to get nice food to having nice wine to enjoying a nice walk in the sunshine, to enjoying the feeling of the sunshine on your face. Yeah. And I also think when you're a bit more aware of your own mortality, it gives you some gratitude, or I'd like to think it would give you more gratitude. But if you're just doing a general gratitude, like you're saying you're grateful to the universe, grateful to this, how does it feel if you've just done something for somebody, for no reward, you just do it because you'd like to do nice things for people, mm -hmm. and they say, oh, I've got to show my gratitude and you going to the oh no no it's it's perfectly all right you know don't buy me anything too expensive <laughs> and uh, they say i'm going to send a donation to my favorite charity <laughs> you're like uh <laughs> i want some of that gratitude <laughs> you've got to do things because you want to do them because otherwise 
you're never going to feel good about it. So I like doing things for people because I like the feeling I get from doing it. Whether they say thank you or not is different. But I do things to help people or to be nice to people because I genuinely like doing it and it gives me a real buzz. Once I did some plumbing for someone. I wasn't a plumber, but they couldn't afford a plumber. Good God, you're in everyone's house, you are. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I went down B&Q, got a few lengths of pipe and a few fittings and things. And beat them to death with it. <laughs> <laughs> and did the plumbing. When I next went round there, about two, three months later, the pipe work wasn't the same sort of budget screw-up type fittings that amateurs use. It was the proper solder joint type fittings that proper plumbers use. And they said, yeah, it kept leaking. And you think, oh, no. So do you return the flowers or whatever, the cards of <laughs> gratitude? I don't know if there is an antidote to gratitude. A card that says we take back our thank yous. We're not <laughs> grateful. It leaked. It ruined our flaws. I mean, how does that work? Is there such a thing as anti-gratitude? Yeah, it's called running. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of running in our lives. <laughs> it's like asking somebody who's a hang gliding instructor to come and rewire your house. You just wouldn't do it. No, you wouldn't. And if somebody is misguided in gratitude... Misguided? Well, let's say you're doing a stand-up gig. If somebody comes up to you and say, I'm so grateful for what you just did, I mean, would that be appropriate? I have had someone say once, it's something along those lines, and it was because they were just having a really bad day and they needed you, to be cheered up. That's your excuse, is it? That's my excuse. <laughs> and hopefully I didn't make it worse for them. But I have also had people come up and say, that was quite good. I quite enjoyed that. <laughs> it's the word quite, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like a backhanded compliment. And you're like, well, why bother? Because it takes a lot of strength and a lot of courage to come up to people and say thank you in social settings. Yeah. So why get there with all that strength and courage and go, yeah, that was all right. I've seen better. I've had a better night out, to be honest, when I went to Nando's. But I'm just coming up to tell you this. So hopefully it improves your mood and you go home and want to kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> what about if you're expecting gratitude? I mean, that's a bad thing, isn't it? Oh, yes. And I've seen I've seen this happen too, where people come up, a comedian, will, someone will come up and go, can I just speak to you? And they'll get all excited thinking it's because they're going to get lots of praise. And then the person starts having a go at them because they're a racist or sexist or disablist or whatever it is. They're just ist. When I was in a band occasionally, somebody would come up to the stage and you'd kneel down near the front and they'd say, you're rubbish. <laughs> you think, ah, OK, I thought you were going to say how good we were. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> I like it when you're delighted by something. Someone does something for you, whether it's a tradesperson, back to up to Downton Abbey, the way that you live, and they do a job and they exceed your expectations and then you're able to get them something, a box of chocolates, bottle of gin, whatever it may be, some beer to say thank you. That is wonderful. Yeah. Do you feel you should be grateful for somebody putting in the effort or for the result? Because it seems like if they've put all the effort in, the results should be in terms of gratitude, almost irrelevant. No, but you've got life's triers. <laughs> and I'm one of life's triers. <laughs> Especially on a cross-country run at school, I was one of life's triers. I would try, I would sweat as soon as we'd exit the actual changing room. Yeah. I was usually out of breath by the time we got down the road. But <laughs> that my games report would always say, bless Emily, she always tries. Oh. But I was not a cross-country runner. It wasn't in my skill set. And I had to live up to the fact I was not going to be the next Mo Farrell. But I'm trying to work out here, 
who in your class had any gratitude to do with all of this? I'm really pleased you've mentioned this because actually the rest of the class were really grateful that I was really rubbish because they all looked better. And then the teacher would just talk to me as opposed to focusing their attention on the others who were running off halfway and having a fag ah, halfway around the cross-country run. They were grateful to you as a distraction. As the slightly overweight, sweaty decoy in that situation. Did you really sweat or did you do that old trick of a little plant spray? Literally, just the thought of doing a cross-country run brought me out in beads of sweat. We used to, at lunchtime, if we knew we had one of those cross-country runs in the afternoon, we'd go down at lunchtime, hide sandwiches and bags of crisps in the woods <laughs> in the afternoon. We would set off at a pace, we'd stop and have our picnic in the shrubbery, and then we'd hear the kids come running back, and we'd think, oh, OK. So we'd pack the picnic up, jog up and down a bit to make ourselves look a bit sweaty, and then we'd run after them. We'd never beat them because we thought they'd probably... They'd work it out, yeah. yeah. So we always arrived last and tried to do our best to look exhausted and breathless. But actually, we'd just run a few hundred yards and had a rather enjoyable picnic. I love the fact that you went to the school of the famous five, <laughs> where you all disappeared off and had a jolly good time of picnic. We did. Lashings and lashings of ginger beer, and then we ran back. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I might have seen you... Running past, complaining. <laughs> I was more the St Trinian's lot. We were all in the woods having cigarettes and that's why I couldn't breathe as we were going around the cross-country. <laughs> Gosh, terrible. So were you grateful to the cross-country teacher for allowing you this opportunity to waddle off and have a fag? Mrs Roberts was very supportive in many ways. When you're fat at school, they basically say, we need to give you a sport to make you thin. So what they do is they give all the fat people shot put and javelin, okay. which I always think is a mistake because you've got a hormonal teenager that is blatantly being called out as being fat in front of the rest of the class and they're giving them heavy objects and sharp objects to throw. Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> I was quite good at sports like rounders and football and hockey and lacrosse and all those sorts of things. Not a problem. Running away from teachers at half one in the morning when I'd escaped from my dormitory, not a problem. Make me do a couple of miles over hill and dale. And I was like, no, you're right, I'm busy. I regretted signing up because I'd completely misunderstood. You know, coming from the drinking town of Grimsby and the teacher suggested perhaps parallel bars, I was up for it. <laughs> it, was, it was about the worst mistake I've ever made, I tell you. Especially as you're not tall. <laughs> Thank you. Where are we going with this? Did you need a chair to get up on the parallel bars? <laughs> Actually, I was taken off to hospital. You have to put a load of talcum powder on your hands and, you know, I'm a bit asthmatic. So <laughs> 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 that, that was my way out. <laughs> No, the teacher said, stop playing with the talcum powder. I was rubbing it all around myself and clapping my hands. It was just like bath night. I was really happy there, just playing with the talcum powder. You could have been in the, um, I was going to say the Olympics, but I think more like the Olympics you could have been in. <laughs> the limping, yeah. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> Curiously, I was quite good at climbing the rope. Were you? I think that's because where I come from, there's loads of little street lamps, and we used to always shin up those and hang from the horizontal bars near the top, you know, old-fashioned type street chim lights. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim chiroo. <laughs> My Lord, is this, is this, this like the, the Victorian times in Grimsby? Well, we had, I had to be a lamp lighter just so I could afford 
to get some firewood. <laughs> Whenever we used to do rope climbing in school, in gymnastics, did you not just stand there and go, why? Why would I want to do this? When am I going to need to shimmy up a rope at speed in a pair of bottle green knickers and an AirTech shirt? I mean, seriously, unless you've got aspirations of pole dancing, why on earth would you need to shimmy up a rope as a form of exercise? I don't know. So I lost momentum from the word go. Our teacher made me take my bottle green knickers off. It's awful. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> rope burn. <laughs> Modern Aged Middle Life was brought to you by Graham Jarvis and Emily Baum. If you liked it, tell a friend or rate and review the podcast. That will help others find us. Thanks.